0: the yeshiva.net Last uh, sheer Monday morning we began the mimer usfar tam locham memacharash shabez mevecher msamirat 977 memistiana of Tofshin Yeralev lag boim in 1951 I do have to say i got a call after the class from somebody and he said that he's a rabbi He has name he was ordained in the rabbinate but he never knew what Eimer HaTnufa means. <laughs> he heard the words, we say it every night by Sfira, Eimer HaTnufa. He just never knew what it means. He didn't know what it means. Sfira saw okay. So sometimes even people who have learned and spent many years in yeshiva and got a Jewish education, just the basic terminology of things are unknown to them because we sometimes skip over the basics and get to all types of explanations and insights without really understanding what's oimer, what's the carbon oimer, why is it called oimer, what's Svira's ha-oimer, what's oimer ha etc. So he was thanking me for the introduction I gave, discussing the basic mechanisms. So that was uh, that was very nice to hear. And it's generally important, that's why, when you learn Mishnayis, you learn Rambam, especially Rambam, the Rambam is Torah. You get the, the bird's eye view, the summation of all halacha, you know, the, the structure of how Judaism works, and every single aspect of, of Jewish law. That's the uniqueness of the Rambam's Yad HaChazaka, the Rambam's Mishnah Taira. So what's the summation of what we learned? That uh, there is the mitzvah of bringing the oimer, and then there is the mitzvah of counting the count, the forty-nine day count that follows the bringing of the Omer. Yet the Torah emphasizes the words "mimacharas haShabbos," even though it was really "mimacharas haPesach." It was the day after Pesach, the second day of Pesach, not the day after Shabbos, as discussed the great debate between the Sadducees and the Chachmi Yisrael. We went into the discussion that Sviras haOmer is unique because the carbon Omer. The offering that was brought as a prerequisite to the counting is the only one besides one more that was brought from barley flour. Every other meal offering was brought from wheat besides this and the mincha seita. And the question is, why? The Gemara the Mishnah says by the seita that animal behavior warrants an offering of animal fodder. But what about carbonaimer? And the answer is exactly that, that the Svirasa Sa'imer, the Karbana represents the work with the animal inside of us. The work with the animal soul. And the point that we explained and we explored was the development, the idea behind the Pasuk and the Hashirim, the opening of Shehashirim. This is right away in the beginning of chapter one. I think it's Pasuk Dalet. Hashirim Perik Aleph Pasuk Dalet, where the bride speaks about the groom and says, acharecha narutza, heviyani ha-melech What does Moshcheni mean? Moshcheni, draw me in, pull me in. After you, we shall run. The grammar here is apparently strange. You begin with, pull me in, and then you follow with, after you, we shall run. Am we talking about an individual or we're we talking about a collective group? You begin with singular language and then you continue with plural language. Moshchaini and then Narutza. So it's difficult to understand. What's the, the syntax? What's the, 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 the structure of this posik? And then it continues. We're talking about the future and then we talk all to the past. The point of all of this is that the truth is that these, this posik is referring to three different stages in Jewish history. Moshcheni refers to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the first day of Pesach. Acherech is the counting of the Omer, As we'll see, Aviyani Melech Adorov is Shavuos. What's the idea of this? Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was a gift from above. God takes you out of the abyss he emancipates you from subjugation to bondage, to slavery. The whole experience of E Mitzrayim was for as the posuk says, I lifted you up on the wings of eagles. Nigla melech as we say in the Haggad. Hashem revealed himself to the children to the Israelites, and he emancipated them. in other words. It's melmaih It's a revelation. It's a gift that comes from above, irrelevant where the person is. Sometimes there are moments in life where you're just plucked out of your present situation and you're transported into another place. Not by virtue of your own work and resources and creativity. No. The Jews on their own were submerged, as the Chazal say, our sages say, in 49 gates of impurity. Mashcheni. Moshcheni means two things. First of all, pull me out. As Rashi says there that God told, me, God told me that he will pull me out, Moshcheni. Moshcheni represents that it's something that's coming from above. Somebody is schlepping me. Somebody is taking me. And that's why it's only in the, plural, in the singular, Moshcheni. Because who was moved by this? The divine soul. The divine soul which has an antenna that detects the divine... Uh, vibrations of reality is moved by it. But the animal soul, the animal soul is not moved by it. It doesn't get it. It doesn't see it. It doesn't perceive it. It doesn't experience it. That's why we went to the whole explanation of the Alter Rebbe and Tanya, why the Jews had to run away from Yitzchak. They couldn't do it consensually. There was an element of running away. Why? Because they were running away from a part in themselves. There's a voice in themselves that says you're still subjugated, you're still enslaved. That's all us Mitzrayim, Mashchaini. The Jews themselves were not Kalim, they were not yet vessels, containers, who can fully grasp and absorb and internalize the experience. They were not there yet. The animal soul was not ready for it. It was like a shock treatment, it was a startling experience. It was something completely beyond their Kalim, beyond themselves, beyond their vessels. It's like an extraordinary revelation. Out of the blue, a moment, before, a moment earlier, they were slaves. And for years, they were subjugated, stripped from their dignity. It's a, it's, a, it's a slavery mentality. And that's why, throughout the years in the desert, whenever there were problems, there were many who said, let's just go back. You know, the Stuckholm syndrome and the battered woman syndrome? It's like, let's just go back there. At least it's familiar. You know, familiar evil is better than anything else. In other words, very often we see that somebody can be taken into freedom, but, so they were taken out of exile, but the exile has not been taken out of them. And therefore, when crisis resurfaces, you come back to that. You go back to that default mode, which is slavery. So it's a very profound idea. Their divine soul was moved, because the divine soul is always moved by a Likus. It's it's in touch with it, but the nefesh abahamis—that's the animal consciousness of a person. This puts us in the category of all of the zoological species. We're called Homo sapiens, you know. We're sa- sapiens. It's part of the animal structure. It's part of the yes, sophisticated animals. Animals who know how to build museums and universities and even hospitals and theaters and gymnasiums and coliseums. And, and art galleries, stadiums, shopping centers, malls. Very sophisticated sapiens, no question. But ultimately sapiens. This is the dimension of human consciousness, which we call it. the Nefesh Bahamas, The term originates from Rabbi Chaim Vital, the great student of the Arizal, the Kabbalist 16th century, Damascus and Swas. And then discussed and elaborated in many subsequent books, especially the Tanya, which right away, chapter one introduces the idea of the two souls. A tale, life is a tale of two souls. And not in two cities, London and Paris, but in one city. So in the animal soul was not moved. The animal soul, in fact, remained in its full intensity. And therefore they had to run. So now we can understand Moshcheini. Now comes stage two. Acharecha Narutza. Acharecha This is Sfirah After you, we shall run. Now begins Davideh of what? Of Sfirah Sa'imer, the counting of Daimur, which is Davideh Melmata Lamayla. Now is the not the gift that comes from above, but the initiation that comes from below, milmata lemayla, versus milmayla lamata. That's why it doesn't say, it's not moshcheni anymore. Moshcheni is, you're pulling me. Norutza is, no, we're running. I'm creating the dynamic. I'm initiating the momentum. You're not schlepping me. I'm running. I'm running after you. That's difference number one. Difference number two is here, it's Losh and Rabbim, Because it's the Nefesh lekis and the Nefesh Bahamas. Because that's what it means that we are running. We are running, meaning all parts. How, what happened here? I engaged also my animal soul. That's the avoid of serious Yisrael, to be able to not just address my godly soul, but also permeate my animal soul. And that happens only after Yitzir's Mitzrayim. By Tavdun, begins after Yitzir's Mitzrayim. Like a, shemak, a in the pass. Now let's continue inside.
1: What is Alain? Have you, re- have you already read the brackets Alain Luftfin in
0: Yiddish? I wasn't sure where you're up to. We're up to page 65. In yeah. the in the if you open up the source sheets, it's page 65, yeah. the middle of the page, and the line starts, Shazah Payel Hazazah Gamba Nefesh Bahamas. It's a Just little so before that, you had the phrase Alain loifen." What, what was that Yiddish? So narutza "nirutza" in, in in Hebrew means "we shall run." In Yiddish, running is "loifen." <laughs> yeah. like "Gay life is "go run." "Loifen" means running. So
1: he
0: um, so he's translating. "Alein" means yourself. You do it by yourself. So so the Rebbe is translating here. The the Maimari were all said in Yiddish. Including the Balatanya, all the Maimarim, including the Balshamtiv, they all said their word, their Maimarim, their discourses in Yiddish, but the writers wrote them down in Loshen in you know the ordinary language of writing down Torah. But sometimes, when there was like an expression that was that was you know very uh, telling or characteristic, I guess the writer felt guilty. You know, not to get the authentic original language. So that's why sometimes you'll see in a mimer, in parentheses a few words in Yiddish. The whole mimer was in Yiddish, but these words, I guess, the writer felt we can't uh, we can't scratch it from the text. It's 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 too uh, it's too telling. So here too, the Rebbe says that mashcheni is you're being pulled, narutza is you're running on your own, right? So he says. A lane life, and you're running yourself. You're running yourself. It's not like, it's not like you're, 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 you're on a... You get into a vehicle and the vehicle is moving for you. No, a lane life, and you're pushing running. And running is work. <laughs> Those of you who run, you know, it, it's work. It's avoid. It's you're not being schlepped. I get into the car, so the car is schlepping me. I get into the plane. So the plane is taking me, whatever it is, whatever the vehicle is. You know, in the airport, right, you have those, what do they call, those walkways, you get on, and it's a schlep. You just, you know, you put your suitcases on, it's a schlept. That's not narutza. Narutza is a lane life, a life. <laughs> You're running. you got to exert yourself. This is avoid. What's pshat avayda, avayda means Avoyda always means I'm working with my animal soul. That's avoid. Because the godly soul is in. The godly soul is tuned in. It may be concealed, but it's always tuned in. When Yitzchir's Mitzrayim happens, the godly soul is is on fire. But the animal soul doesn't know what happened. You know, they say there's three types of people, right? Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who want to know what happened. So after Yitzchir's Mitzrayim, the animal soul says, what happened? Something happened. God took you out of... It doesn't understand the language of liberation, doesn't understand that language. You know, go bring a horse into a uh, into a concert, into a concerto. Go bring a horse into an art gallery. Horses are amazing animals, amazing creatures. Horses, but a horse is a horse. So the animal, soul on its own, on its own, without vaida, there's a there's a the primal instinct there, primal energy. But without the person's working with the nefesh of Bahamas, there is a detachment. That's why you had to run away, because the Nevi'im was in full teikuf and full strength. Now begins the next step, acharecha So now we continue inside. Again, it's a little below the middle of the page. One, two. Let's see from the top. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Seventeen lines from the top. The line starts shazeh. After the period, we're holding at the words Vizel. Vizel, Gamhadiyik, Narutza, n'arutsa Meloshin, Dafk. This is also the meticulous, this is also the pursuit. What, thing are, you ah?
1: what thing are you using?
0: The text. If you go to the yeshiva.net, the video has text, so the source sheets.
1: No, but what are you using?
0: I'm also using that. <laughs> I'm also using the source sheets. <laughs> I actually have the safer. It's safer. Mamaram Tov Shnyod Aleph. But I happen to be using the source sheets on the website. This is also the precision of the word Narutza, which means we're going to run. The focus is on running. Because there's something unique that happens... When the avoid is done with the animal soul, it's in a way of, it it, it's, it could be defined as running. Because the nature of the animal soul is, When the animal soul is drawn to something, it's always with passion. It runs to it. It doesn't walk to it, it runs to it when you're dealing with the animal soul there's no slow motion there's no slow movement we're going to walk slowly the animal soul knows the language of passion that's its language it's
1: good. It's good.
0: exactly in the conversation of Yaakov and Esav in Parshas Vayishlach, after they reconcile, Esav wants to run; he's in a rush, and Yaakov says, "Ani le'iti. The word is leiti, just like laat laat. Leiti, I'm going to walk slowly. It's not just two brothers; it's two languages. And here we're going to discover something very revolutionary, and this is one of the revolutions of Chassidus. Usually, in the polarity between the animal soul and the divine soul, you know, the animal soul gets bad rap, and the divine soul gets good rap. The <laughs> divine soul is divine, and the animal soul is a behemoth. And there's a truth to that. <laughs> there's an animal soul, and there's a godly soul. And you can't compare the animal consciousness and the godly consciousness. But Chassidus comes and teaches there's also another dimension. There's a reason that we have to have a relationship with our animal soul. There's a reason that the godly soul had to descend and become tucked in and fused and married and connected to the animal soul. It's not just a tragic error. It's not even just a tragic test. It's not even just a trial to overcome and see if you can abstain from temptation. No, that's all the periphery. That's all the basics. There's something much deeper. There's an energy that you can only acquire through Esau. Esav needs Yaakov, but Yaakov also needs Esav. That's a whole. That's 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 a, uh, that's that's what we call the holistic approach of 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 the cosmos. It's not just Yaakov could tell Esav, you know, let's. I want to cut off from you and let's be at peace, but in different worlds. No, Esav must have Yaakov, but Yaakov must have Esav. It's like we learned a few years ago that my mom of the and parshas told us and Vaishlach about Toyo and Tikut. Esav is Tayu, chaos. Yaakov is tikkun. Toyu must have tikkun to be able to be repaired. But tikkun needs Tayu to be able to get the real energy. So let's see the way it's manifested here. The animal soul, he says, doesn't know the language of slow motion. It doesn't know what it means. It knows the language of passion. Mirutza, I run, I long, I yearn. There's a strong intensity. There's a fire. There's an electricity. With the animal soul, it's one of two extremes. Either it's not interested at all. It's not engaged at all. There's nothing in elakus and godliness that speaks to it. So I'm completely not engaged. i disengaged. Or, if I am engaged, it's extreme. It's with an it's with a it's with a fire. There's an extremism to it. There is a power there. There is momentum. There is oomph. There is gusto. There is passion. When the animal soul is affected, when it's moved, it's not just moved slowly. It's moved completely. It's now running. If it's not moved, it's not moved. It's like, you know, don't don't wake up the sleeping bear. I'm busy, I'm busy hibernating. <laughs> I'm, I'm not engaged. But if for some reason it, it, it's touched the nefesh of Hamas, it has the quality of that animal. And we all know that animals, at least many animals, are much more powerful than people. Their midis are much more powerful than people. We have the cerebral dimension, the cognitive dimension that is so developed in the human being. The prefrontal cortex that is so developed, cool, and collective, and thought out, and we contain ourselves. But when you look at the passion, the alacrity, the intensity, the intensity of the animal, it's primal. You know, I don't know if you ever were in the jungles and you you know you know you watched the 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 lioness <laughs> the lioness uh, chasing her her prey to feed her family or or the tiger or the cheetah okay these are the real undomesticated <clears throat> powerful mammals there's an intensity <clears> there <throat> there's a primal passion there, and it speaks to us we all know it speaks to us <laughs> because that's a, that's it's a picture of our nature of Bahamas. that's why people are fascinated by animals by the way cuz animals you know, and, and this is from a Jewish approach. You know, there's, there's an approach that, that believes, you know, people are animals and there's no difference. Obviously, that's not the Jewish approach. But we can find ourselves in every animal. Because we have a Nefeshabahamas and the animal is a mirror, or our Nefeshabamas is a mirror of that animal. Of course, in a different way, but it reminds us of ourselves. You know, I I, uh, I I particularly enjoy watching animals and their behaviors and so forth, and you know, it, it's not just it, it's interesting, no question. It's interesting uh, scientifically. It's interesting, and it's interesting from so many. But there's also it's interesting spiritually. It's interesting emotionally, because you you could find yourself there. There's something in the nefesh Bahamas that has in it the imprint of every animal. So in every animal we can find ourselves. Not just in every animal, in every bird, in every insect. This is not my Kiddush. It says in Kayhelas, nosan The world exists in our heart. It says in Aves de Reb Nason, The human being is called a miniature world. What does this mean? So it says in Chsidus, it says in Sfarim, That the Olam Gadal is reflected in miniature in the Olam Katal. There's nothing in the outer reality. There's nothing in the macro that is not in the micro. Every Nekud that you observe on the planet, and not only on the planet, the entire universe, is reflected in your heart. In fact, according to the Baal the reason you see it and you know about it is in order for you to do something with it. I am. I am the. St- I we. You and I are in charge of tikkun olam. So every aspect of the universe is a mirror of something happening inside of us, and we are mirroring that which is happening outside of us. So there's always a relationship. There's a very deep kinship. The Adam encompasses the entire, the totality of creation. So when you're talking about animals, this is a reflection of Iyonefesh Muhammad. What do we see with the animal? That el- sometimes the animals are asleep. You know, some of these animals sleep most of the day. Not interested. But when the animal is engaged, there is that there is that that terrible, terrible in a good way, tremendous intensity and passion. And this is the uniqueness of the animal soul. This doesn't exist by the divine soul. It goes deeper. It goes deeper the animal soul is drawn to the divine in this way of amarutsa with this longing and this intensity it affects also the divine soul the godly soul on its own doesn't possess this quality. Her gravitation, her meshicha, her connection, her, meshicha is that I, 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 I gravitate to something. I'm connected to something. I'm pulled to something. Her gravitation to godliness is, B'Medida medidde vahakbala. means with measurements. Vahakbala with limitation. nefesh is It's the animal soul when engaged that gives the Divine Soul a whole new dimension of light, a whole new dimension of energy, that the godly soul learns about passion. It learns how to transcend a relationship based on structure and limitations. You're asking a good, asking a good question. If the, Adam, if the Divine Soul is a kamim mal mamish. As it says in Svarim and Netanya chapter 2, the quote is already from earlier, So what do you mean It's the it's finite? If it's a fragment of the divine, however you explain fragment, but if it's a piece of the divine, it's not limited. The answer is, we're talking here about the divine soul, the way it assumes a distinct identity, that's very true. In other words, yes, if you take the divine soul back to its original, original source, it's beyond Hagbalah. But the way the divine soul assumes a distinct identity, a structure, it has seichel, it has midas. As Tanya continues, every soul has ten kachiz, chachma, bina, daaz, chesed, gvorit, teferes, netzach, hayisad, malchus. And there's a certain element of structure, holy structure, divine structure, just like Hashem himself. The question you're asking is about Hashem himself. How can it be spheres by Hashem? God is limited. What Chesed, Gvura, The answer is Hashem is un- not unlimited, but Hashem, yeah, chooses to manifest Himself, so to speak, within ten characteristics that have some definition and some description and some Medidav Hagbala. Again, the word Medidav Hagbala is always relative, you know, to whom and to where, what context and what it means. But there is some element of structure.
1: And, and the yes, other yes, this
0: is the, you're right, this is the nefesh, which is the way it's already in Seder Yishtal which means within a structural identity. There's identity, there's structure, and there's focus. And this is its uniqueness, this, this is its contribution. Medidev Hagbalah here is not a disadvantage, in many ways it's a, it's a compliment. In other words, things are measured, like we speak about in the brain, for example, the we often talk about the difference between the amygdala part of the brain and the prefrontal cortex. Limbic brain, reptilian brain, prefrontal cortex allows you yeah, to be thought out. It allows you to be thoughtful. It allows you to delay gratification. It allows you to have long-term vision. It allows you to weigh pros and cons. You're in a much more sophisticated mode where there's broad choices from a broad spectrum of things, and you can navigate. You're not in survival mode, you know, a fight or flight, which is intense. Now, what is trauma? I wasn't thinking of talking about trauma today. What is trauma? Trauma is that amygdala gets fired up. You know, like the fire alarm in your house. You know, you when know, the fire alarm in your house serves a very important function. If, God forbid, there's a fire, fire alarm goes on, so the, the fire department is called and the police are called and the family is alert and the neighbors are alert. But what happens when the fire alarm is broken? <laughs> and it goes off every 20 minutes. Yeah? So suddenly you're sitting and you're trying to sleep, you're trying to relax, and suddenly yeah, you know what a fire alarm sounds like. Yeah. So that's what happens in trauma. That amygdala is is fired up and it doesn't stop. You don't know the code to be able to stop it. The danger is over, Rabbi Say, The danger is over. You don't have to be. You don't have to be so fired up. Because it's basically operating on that primal level. Very primitive and primal level. So now, so let's understand this. The Nefesh is godly. It's always connected. However, the Nefesh Shalakis, by definition, is measured it believes in measurement. It believes in discipline and in structure and in seder and in organization. That's it. That's that's because it it, it it's responsible.
1: <laughs> it believes... Did you say, to say animals have individual meshamas or there's just one uh, mephish or life force for all animals?
0: It's an interesting question. So the truth is that our says you want to know if, if animals if animals have individual personalities and the answer is yes. The Arizal says that every single thing has a soul. By the way, not only animals. Every tree has its own soul. Every rock, every nivra, even doymim, even inorganic matter. The Arizal writes, has a nefesh. It has a soul. Now, when the Arizal said it in the 1500s, it seemed a little strange. You know, you had to believe him. Today, you don't have to believe him anymore. (laughs) You look at anything under a microscope, right? And even, the t- and, and even more, the tools that we have not developed yet, there's a whole universe, a whole dynamic universe, yeah? in the tiniest drop of water, in the tiniest grain of sand or flake of snow. I mean, you talk about the mo- molecular and atomic level of reality. There is so much movement and excitement and harmony and symmetry and design. It's incredible. Never mind. Does
1: that mean if uh, if an animal dies, so one it's it's one integrated soul, an organism that that's lost now, and it's now become it's it's got it's it's got a new soul or a a sublayer of a soul of domain.
0: When an animal dies, of course, yeah, you you can't compare the the soul of the animal to the soul of the person. Obviously, the Rambam discusses this in Hilchus Yisrael De'atera. Every creature has its own type of soul, its own unique soul. But the soul ultimately, from, from the Hasidic point of view, the soul represents the divine chemistry, the divine DNA that makes up the very existence, the very stuff of this animal or this creature, sustains it, creates it gives it vitality, vivifies it, gives it its ultimate design, function, and purpose. The soul also represents its purposefulness from the divine perspective. And every animal serves its purpose. You're saying if a stone has a soul, and you throw the stone down, it splits into two, right? Or you axe it, you separate it. So what happens now? Did you split a soul into two? And the answer to that is, when you say a soul has a stone, you have, to, you have to define it. Whatever happens to the stone on a molecular level and an atomic level, that's just a reflection of what happens on a spiritual level. Because the soul, the spirituality is tucked in, it's manifested through the physical composition, through the physical chemistry of it. So whatever happens on a physical level, happens also on a spiritual level. Just like we split an atom, right? Splitting an atom, and releases a lot of uh, momentum. The same is true with a cell. Every dynamic of the Bria. So therefore, when we're talking about animals, every individual animal has its unique nefesh that gives it, first of all, its existence, and second of all, its chios, its vitality when it's alive. If the animal dies, obviously it has now a different type of different type of soul, different type of divine energy, and ultimately it will decompose and become part of the soil or become part of other animals. That's how the food chain works, the food web works, because it's, it's all, it's ultimately the nutrients are also spiritual energy. It's all spiritual energy. And then it's compartmentalized, disintegrated, and it goes back to feed the world again. Remember, there's a chain. Nothing is completely lost it just morphs in from one form to another form. Well, are, you, are you asking what, if a person doesn't develop themselves at all, what's their destiny? And the answer is, that ultimately every every soul comes to its tikkun, every soul, which is a chelik elekam kamimal, the Shaloh rites, the, the Arizal rights, the Ramemifano Fano rites, the great Kabbalists write, that ultimately every single soul, because of it's a piece of Hashem, never gets lost completely. You may have to go through a lot of you know, it has to go through many winding journeys and winding roads, but ultimately, it's Netzem Matai, Maisi, Adelis It's 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 a fragment of infinity of the divine. It's gonna come. It's gonna to come to a tikkun. Every single soul. No soul is ultimately, you know, perishes and lost forever. There are the few Gemaras in Rosh Hashanah and other places, Rambam Elchus where it sounds like some souls. Are cut off forever and ever and ever, but this is a long discussion in in, in, in the svarim of Kabbalah, chusudas, machshava. That ultimately every soul goes has to go through journeys, but it comes it comes to some type of tikkun. So now, so let's. No, I'm talking I'm talking here about the godly soul, the godly soul of the Jew, which is nefesh achelikalekami malma, which ultimately comes to tikkun. The divine energy in everything, the divine energy in everything ultimately will also be sublimated, yeah? Yeah. But you can't compare. The the soul in an animal is not like the soul in a person. It's a completely different soul. You can't compare that soul. So it's a completely different different soul. In other words, the conscious animal soul is not the conscious human soul. But in every single thing in the world, including in animals, there is divine energy. So now... So, so, so let, so let's bring this together. The animal soul has something that the godly soul does not have, even though it's an animal. And that is energy, passion, intensity. And that's where the godly soul needs the animal soul. That's why you have to be careful when it comes, especially to education, not to destroy human creativity, not to destroy human energy. Because sometimes we see that the animal soul's energy is being harnessed in the wrong way. But it's powerful energy. It's raw. It needs direction. But don't destroy it. Don't obliterate it. Because when you obliterate that energy, you don't only fail the animal soul, you fail also the godly soul. For the godly soul to experience the running, it needs to have the animal soul. What is the difference between these two souls? The Nefesh is the soul of a person that we call divine. What does it mean it's divine? It relates to the divine perspective of reality. It's sensitive to the divine perspective of reality. It sees the world through a spiritual lens. It sees the world through a godly lens. Those are its interests. Those are its passions. This is important material. Understood. This, is, these are, these are, this is critical information, my friends. So tune in. The godly soul sees the world through a divine lens. That's how it sees the world. What does it appreciate? Its its appetite is therefore to holiness, to transcendence, to godliness. This is how it sees the world. This is how it it perceives the world. It perceives the world as a very meaningful place. perceives the world as a place that is filled with uh, pulsating spiritual divine energy. That's its experience of life. That's its experience of reality. It doesn't see the world as a fragmented, materialistic, physical, brute, and coarse place. It does not. It sees it from the lens of Hashem. It sees the world with the microscopic, with microscopically spiritual eyes. And therefore, it, its longings, it appreciates those components of, of creation. The Nefesh of Bahamas doesn't have that vision. The Nefesh of Bahamas is very simple. In many ways, it's very brute. It's animalistic. It's an animal. Animals are not bad. Animals are very cute. The Gemara says about the Metsiyat, we have a biblical prohibition against aggravating animals. And by the way, that's your animal too. Your own animal too. We have the Gemara in Brachas that says that before you feed yourself, you have to feed your animal. Right? You're not allowed to eat breakfast as long as you didn't give breakfast to your animal. It says, we learned in the Maimah before Pesach that Psukim Dezimah is for the animal soul, Krishna is for the divine soul. writes in the Why? Because you're let allowed to feed the divine soul before you feed the animal soul. So, Moiradik, zimra. you're feeding the animal soul. Krishna, you're feeding the godly soul. First, you have to feed the behaina. then you could feed the person. Within yourself, you have to feed the animal before you feed this per- the person. So, the animal soul is, is brute, it's coarse, it's, and it's primal. It's simplistic. It sees the world like an animal sees the world. How does an animal see the world? They're very delicious. A lot of animals are delicious. We like animals, they're cute. They could be dangerous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't discipline your animal soul, it can become a monster. If you don't discipline your little gorilla, if you don't discipline your little cute chimp or monkey, if you don't discipline the little the little bull inside of you, it can grow up with big horns and it can gore. It can gore. It's dangerous. If an animal is not tamed, discipline the dog too. If you don't teach the dog who's boss, you know what happens, right? The alpha male, if you don't teach the dog who's boss, it's very dangerous. The animal must know its place in the world. If it knows its place in the world, then it's gewaldic. If it doesn't know its place in the world, it can be very, very dangerous, even lethal. It starts off as a cute little baby, as a cute little cub, as a cute little calf, (laughs) but it's going to grow up. I'm talking now the animal inside of me. This is where discipline comes in, right? The the passage says, The person is born undomesticated. Left to his own devices, the animal will be completely wild. This is where the Nefesh Shalakis is so necessary. The Nefesh Shalakis is all about structure, self-restraint, Discipline, understanding what's good, what's not good, seeing the world from a deeper place, purpose, meaning. But the animal has one advantage over the godly soul, and that is intensity, passion, fire. That uninhibited energy that is dangerous when it's harnessed is unbelievably powerful. And the godly soul learns how to serve God from the animal soul. As long as the animal soul is not engaged, it's not engaged. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not interested. But when you ignite, when you put on the fire, <laughs> when you find the pilot in your Nefesh of Bahamas, and you kindle it and you ignite it, ooh, now there's a chius. So often, this is so important because people feel guilty. People that have very intense levels of energy. And I don't just don't, mean, I don't only mean energy that they, their work colleagues, they work hard. I'm talking about intimate energy, sensual energy, sexual energy. A lot of energy. So part of, of a moral upbringing is you gotta tame it. You gotta deny it. You gotta repress it. You gotta obliterate it. You gotta get rid of it. You have to silence it. What the Rebbe is teaching us here, based on the memory of the Balatanya, is no, no, yes. Yeah, sometimes you have to silence it. Sometimes you have to, you know, you have to calm it down. But ultimately, the real purpose is, is to mobilize it. You want to, you want to draft it into your war. You need your animal soul as a full ally because it's going to give you something that the godly soul. The godly soul is an edel and malach. He's a refined angel. But the Nevesh Bahamas will give you the passion, the energy that the godly soul can't give you. Elamai, you have to be able to talk its language in order to be able to draft it into the life of godliness, into a life of gedusha, into a life of purpose. But for this... You have to tune into the frequency of the animal's salt. You have to tune into its energy. If you're going to speak to it the language of, of, uh, of uh, structure, <laughs> you won't get it. You have to tune into the world of the animal in order to be able to engage it. You have to, you have, to have that frequency in Yiddish Gaitoso. Walter Rebbe explains that this is the reason why before Kriyashmaa, we speak for such a long time, the whole ble- first blessing about the angels. Why is that the introduction for Kriya Shema? It's a very interesting introduction. Like, why are we talking about the angels? At length. Uh, if you're familiar, if you remember the first blessing before Shema at length, the answer, of course, is they're called holy animals. Why are they called holy animals? Because all of our animals come from them. This says, there's the angels that represent the face of the ox and the face of the eagle and the face of the lion and the face of the human. All the birds come from the eagle and from the Pnei nesha, and all the, 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 the undomesticated mammals come from the face of the lion and all the domesticated mammals come from the face of the bull. This is in Ezekiel's vision of char- his chariot, Maise Kava of Yechasko. So when we go into this story, we're basically helping our animal soul realign itself with its true origin, which is the infinite passion of the Chayis HaKadosh. There's chayas, you know they used to call some people in yeshiva chayas, you remember chayas, animals, avildachaya? This chayas ha chayas ha means the holy animals. The animal is not unholy, the animal is not profane, the animal is holy, but you have to bring it back towards Kedusha.
1: You're saying that the purpose Krishna is essentially the interfaith, is really the spiritual counterpart of the
0: so the first bracha before Krishna, after Pesuch Zimra, really allows that the Shema Yisrael won't only affect the divine soul, but it'll also be able to affect the animal soul. In other words, the animal soul, Hashem <speaking in Hebrew> with your whole heart, not only with your godly soul, also with your animal soul, you have to tell the animal soul who the Zayda was. You have to tell the monkey who its grandfather is. <laughs> You got to tell the monkey inside of you where you come from. You're not a behama, you're hayesa kaidesh. You you you're a holy animal. You're not a you're not a, a behama gasa chayeron evil horrible animal who we want to hunt down and, and repress. No, hayesa kaidesh. I know you guys don't know how to be quiet. You're this is how the Balatanya explains the first blessing of Krishna. It's an incredible insight because if I come to you and I tell you, you know, Rab Aden, Reb Daniel, Reb Yamin, whoever it is, Reb Ben Ziyin, I want to tell you about this great, great, great individual who's this great tzaddik. You may like the story, but it's not necessarily personal. But what if I tell you, I want to tell you who your father was, who your mother was, who your grandfather and grandmother were, who your great-grandmother, I want to talk to you about your DNA, about the home you come from, about the family you come from. It touches me in a different way, because this is already me. So what do we, we talk to the Nefesh of Bahamas, and we say, you know, I want to tell you about some great things. Leave me alone, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. Talk to me about money, Fine. Talk to me about food, fine. You want to talk to me about other cravings, I'm good. You want to talk to me about power, I'm good, fine. You've talked to me about attention, I'm also good. So we talk to the animal soul, now I'm going to talk to you about your Zayda, I'm going to talk to you about your Baba. I'm going to talk to you about your own DNA, where you come from. You come from Chayis Kaidesh. This is you. It's you. Maybe your energy has been distorted, you don't realize what it is. So the ultimate tikkun of the animal soul is not Milchemis Hashmad. We're gonna obliterate our animal soul. No. Yes, there are times in life you just have to tame it and, and, and hold it down and discipline it and so forth. You know, sometimes the animal loses it often. <laughs> but the ultimate avoid is the ultimate avoid of Sri is Narutsa. I want to to find an outlet. I want that the animal soul's energy and passion should be able to become fully aligned with its true source. And then it creates a different dynamic in Yiddishkeit. It gives the godly soul something that the godly soul doesn't have on its own. The godly soul on its own has the power of structure, finiteness. The animal soul gives it the primal infinity, that uninhibitedness that comes precisely from being an animal. From being a behemoth, From not being sophisticated. From not using the prefrontal so much. But when it's utilized, when it's harnessed, when it's mobilized, when it's drafted into Tzivis Hashem, when it's drafted into Avodas Hashem, it's a different level. It's a different chiyos. What does this mean in our life? What this means in our life is that which is, that which you believe is destroying you most is really your greatest ally. And we can't emphasize how important that is. That energy which you feel is taking you away from God most is really what will bring you closest to Hashem. As long as you know how to read it, as long as you know how to find that counterpart in Yiddishkeit. It's a very high level frequency. It's a very high level energy. And if Yiddishkeit doesn't compete with that level, you're right, you're done. And the truth is, that's why we need Chassidus so much. Because Chassidus is the energy that competes, that doesn't compete. It, it, it accommodates, it addresses this level of intensity. In other words, if my Yiddishkeit, I don't want to use the word dull, because it's never dull, you're talking about Yiddishkeit, it's not dull. But my Yiddishkeit is more cerebral, more, more dull, more calm. Right? It speaks to my nefesh al but my nefesh al-Bahamis can't be engaged. It has to be repressed. And that's what happens to some people. I'm going to say this bluntly. Their religious quest causes them to lose so much of their emotional creativity. You hear the baron? Some people's religious experience causes them to lose a lot of their emotional creativity. You talk to them, and there's life missing. Anybody relates to what I'm talking about? Like, where's the life? Where's the life? You do everything right, but you're not alive. You do everything right, but you're not alive. And you know what? I don't blame him. He couldn't be alive. You know why? If he would be alive, you know what would happen? He feels that if he would be alive, he would be dangerous. (laughs) If I would be alive, if I would be in touch with my passions, with my emotions... I wouldn't be in the Beis Medrush every morning. I couldn't Davin Shachos. But I would be like some of you in a previous reincarnation. You know, I'm a, I'm a Bohemian. Or an anarchist. You know, I belong in the forests. I'm a forager. I belong in the forests of Arizona. Wyoming, South Dakota, Montana. Wherever. Wherever it is. Wherever you, your youth has taken you. So so yeah, I had to I had to cut off that part of myself, and you see certain people, and there's a certain I don't know, it, 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 it's painful. but It's like a certain deadness that sets in. Routine, there's routine structure, beautiful routine, but like, Efra Hachayim, Hachayim. There was <laughs> a chassid of the Bal So he once said, "There's two types of Jews." He says, "There's a Jew who's like a portrait." You know a portrait on the wall is always beautiful. Yeah, The portrait on your dining room or your living room is beautiful. <laughs> it's impeccable. It's flawless. Right? It, the guy's always smiling in the portrait. He's always smiling. always doing the right thing. There's only one problem. It's a portrait. It's not a person. It's a portrait. It's a picture of a person.
1: They call it in uh, psychology, I think, um, uh, ideation, uh, addicted to idolatry. Uh, the ideology, ideology. so people become um, trapped by the idea, yeah. and um, so when you hear the person speaking, it's not the person. It's just, you could substitute them for another person who's in the same... Yes, the same yes, way.
0: yes. Ideation. I become the idea, and I become defined by the idea, and I'm just speaking the idea, and I'm saying the good things. This is not, this is God forbid, not judgment or any in any case. On the contrary, sometimes this person feels that this is what saved his life. He had to die a little bit in order to live. Because my emotions are dangerous. My energy is dangerous. My sexual energy is dangerous. My sensual energy is dangerous. My passions are dangerous. And, you know, you want to get to Elam you uh, you dumb it down. <laughs> dumb it down.
1: <laughs> but the only difference then between the, the rebel who rebels against the norms, let's say, of the Jewish community, for example, is he's taking the fight, the fight approach, and the other person's taking the flight approach.
0: You're right. The difference between him and the rebel is fight or flight. Essentially, they're both stuck in the same struggle.
1: <laughs>
0: they're both stuck in the same struggle. Fight or flight are two sides of the same coin. I run away, flight, because I don't want to confront it. And in that process, a part of me has to be amputated. And it's not necessarily a conscious issue. It's just sometimes, you know, you, you see somebody and we see ourselves. And, and where's the life? The chayim. Everything, you're so good that you're dead. You know, you're so good. You, you're talking good. You're like good. You're good. You're going to get everything. You're too good. There's only one problem. Who are you? Where where has your soul gone? You're that portrait on the wall. It's it's a 15 million dollar painting by Raphael or Rembrandt. 100 million dollar painting, and it's beautiful, and it's it's consistently beautiful. So Rabbi Moshe Elenke said, but then there's a Jew. He's alive and when you're alive, there's always changes, there's, 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 there's change, that's narutza norutza, so you're saying that when you're in yeshiva, it's FFB yeshiva, it walks the bal tshuva, right, smiling from ear to ear, yeah. narutza and he wants to know why everybody is so uh, bored and monotonous and dull, and there's this tension, like who is this outsider, who is this UFO who's coming to disturb our equilibrium, who's coming to shake up our holy structures. You know, relax, you, you stay stay around a few months, you become a little more cynical. <laughs> and it happens to people. They come in with fire, and then the fire goes out. And it's just, you know, you got, and ultimately the grind of life is also hard. You know, somebody got to make a living and, and pay bills and your kids grow up. And, you know, you get involved in the daily, you know, minutiae and the daily responsibilities. And you often lose that, that touch. And this is where, so, so, so when Chassidah speaks about Yiddishkeit, you'll always see there is a frequency of infinity that's always vibrating there. Because as much as discipline and structure are critical, and really critical, there's the element of narutza that you need the animal soul for. The animal soul here, not only is it not bad, it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Of course it can create challenges, because the animal can run in different directions. It's very primal. But that visceral, that visceral experience of Judaism that fire burning, that electricity that 's from the animal soul, but for this you have to ignite it you have to you have to present the Yiddish guy that the animal soul can go into ecstasy from it can get on fire, and that 's narutza. so let 's now finish the last few lines Viselre norutza and Rabin. You would think is only the divine soul. So Arutza should be the animal soul. He says, no. When it comes to Narutza, it's both. We will run. Because the animal soul brings it back to the divine soul. That's the Kiddush. Because the divine soul is not really structured. You see? If the divine soul was really That's the answering your question about the divine soul. If the divine soul was born in structure, it wouldn't be affected by the uninhibitedness of the animal soul. But because the divine soul really is, oh, this is the key, this is the key. The divine soul is really infinite. It's just dressed up and manifested in structure. The animal soul never became manifested in structure. That's why it remained an animal. It didn't go into those cerebral structures. But when it triggers, when you trigger it, and you harness it towards a lakus, it gives that gift back to the divine soul. And the the divine soul discovers its own authenticity that transcends limitation. That's the gift that the animal soul gives to the divine soul. Acharecha Narutza represents the entire work of working with my animal soul. And it's work because it's an animal. I have to work with it. It's it's mamish, it's 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 real birud. This is avaidasa biruram of work with animal soul. This is what Svirasaimer represents. This becomes the preparation for Matantaida, that's stage three. The king has brought me into his chambers. Mashcheini Akarecha Narutsa Havyaniya Malachadarov is it's rayim, Sviri and then Shavuas. Question. We speak about two signs of the kosher animal. It chews its cud. And it has split hooves. It chews its cud because it has four stomachs. Does this correspond to the divine soul? Four stomachs are the four worlds and structure. And the animal soul is the split hooves that propel and give us the instinct to run forward, and chewing the cut is an internal process, as, a spo- as opposed to the split hooves, which is an external process. You're saying the two signs represent this. It could be, I'm not sure, but generally, I'm not sure it would work, because these are the two signs of the animal. <laughs> these are the two signs of, of an animal that's kosher. So I'm not sure that it would apply here. Next question. By the way, the signs of the, the two kosher signs in Parshashmini on the on the yeshiva.net I have an essay of the deeper meaning of the two kosher signs. Okay, next question. Let's see what's happening here. Why don't we judge the Saita woman meritoriously? and have her bring an animal offering because of animal behavior it's not fair she was only accused of something nothing is proven people are innocent until proven guilty and we know that she could be innocent after she drinks the water it's a wonderful question and the answer is this is not about saying that she's guilty we we are addressing a crisis The crisis is that the husband was feeling very uncomfortable. Let's say she was spending days, nights, vacations, weeks with a particular guy. Okay? So he says, you know, if we want to be married, we got to be loyal to each other, and I don't want you secluded with that person. You could speak to that person, but not secluded. Do not lock yourself in a house, you know, and go on vacation for a week to South Africa or to New Zealand with that person, or go into a private space. But she does it. She, 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 she violates this. So the husband is like, okay, I'm really uncomfortable in this relationship. So as I said in the first class, God says, I'll be the therapist. I will be the couple's therapist. And I will intervene, because this husband doesn't have trust anymore. So God says, okay, I'll, I'll decide. And we bring her to the Beis HaMicta, she drinks the water, and then God decides... And if she's if she passes the test and the water doesn't harm her, so then unless the husband is more religious than God, he takes her back with Simcha. (laughs) Hashem basically vindicated this woman and he said this marriage is good. So that's an amazing process. Now, but something something painful happened. Something painful. There's obviously a breach of trust here. So that's why she brings this offering. We're not accusing her. But there is, there is a very strong, there's strong suspicion here. Doesn't the Nefesh have a natural passion to connect to God? What does it mean that the Nefesh Bahamas makes the narutza Yeah, the Nefesh has a natural love and a natural awe and a natural passion. But because it is called Adam, not behama, it's cerebral, it's structured, it's thought out in a good way. Within ourselves, we have the Adam and the behama. The human in us is cognitive, is reflective. The animal in us is impulsive. The human in us resides in the brain. The animal in us, so to speak, resides in the heart. The human in us, right, is extremely reflective. It's thought out. Its approach to life is one of responsibility and structure. The animal, on the contrary, is much more primal, instinctive, visceral, experiential. There's an alacrity, there's an intensity, there's a passion there. And it can go both ways. It can lose the plot. It's an animal. Of course the divine soul has passion. Not only that, the divine soul inherently is also infinite. But it's the animal soul that reveals it in the divine soul. That's the point. One can walk fast, one can run slowly. The difference is, with walking, at least one foot is always in contact with the ground. It's connected. With running, at one point in the cycle or rhythm, both feet are in the air, reaching higher. Disconnected. This is a beautiful explanation of how the two souls, the animal and godly, are integrated together in a healthy way, and together they can achieve a much higher state of being and consciousness. God is so smart and amazing, the way He put us together. <laughs> okay, I'm sure God appreciates your validation this morning. No, no, I'm not joking. Hashem is somehow very concerned about what a person does and thinks of life and thinks of the Creator. So it's actually truth to that. You said that only people have this type of godly soul, not animals. But all creations, all animals were created by His Word. Animals were created from Hashem's Word. Hashem That means they have a divine energy. People were created from pre-existing matter, dust, the lowest and in, in animal, inanimate matter. But then, paradoxically, God blows in a soul from his own innards, making us a paradoxical combination of the lowest, dust, and the highest, a elekame ma'amamash. So we have two souls and a battle between the two throughout our lives and our mission. Now there is also Jews and non-Jews. Every person has a soul, but Jews have a unique soul, a Jewish soul. And then every individual has their own soul. I don't see this as chauvinistic or superior. Everyone is able to join and gain a higher type level of soul if they want that. Or they can be in touch with their own soul. It's true. Every person has a soul. Every person, including a non-Jew, for sure. For sure. Chaviv Adam, Shnevra, B'Tselem. Is it the same type of soul of the Jewish soul? It's not. And by the way, every single non-Jew has a unique soul. And every single human being has their own unique soul. So there is a uniqueness. And there's a difference between tribes and nations. There's the soul of a tribe. There's the soul of a nation. The soul of the Jewish people. There's the soul of every person. Yeah, it's true. But every person has a neshama. That's true. Every single person, Jew and non-Jew. I wish everybody a beautiful day. A meaningful day, an inspiring day, a living day and a passionate day.
1: Oh, Amen.
0: Question. Thank, you. Those thank
1: you. Amazing. Thank you.
0: You understood? I love you. Okay, thank, you. thank thank you, Rebert Rivka. It's good to hear somebody passionate.
1: Does uh does have anything to say about when in time that the process all of this is occurring and the perfection of, of Shemas and, and the world and, and all of that like temporally speaking, is it now? Is it in the past? Is it in the future? Is it all together? And, and how does our perspective of it occurring in time relate to Hashem's perspective? you get what I'm saying?
0: Listen, it's always happening. It's always happening. I think it's always happening.
1: That's each moment.
0: Every moment is this. The soul is alive. Yeah.
1: But it's, from Hashem's point of view, are some neshama's not yet perfected? Is the world yet not perfected? Or is it already...
0: Um... Listen, obviously we're waiting for Geulah. We're waiting for Mashiach to come any moment now. Um, and that's the ultimate tikkun. But every moment, the tikkun gets deeper and deeper. Every moment.
1: And Hashem proceeds like that as well, it, a sense?
0: I, of course. Of course. Every moment is growth. Every moment does. The world becomes higher and higher and higher and higher. From the moment of creation, by the way. The act, the act of creation was an act of going from the infinite to the finite. From the higher to the lower. The moment creation was complete, the journey upward began. And it never stopped.
1: But is it just for us, from our point of view? No,
0: from Hashem's Hashem point of view also. God transformed energy into matter. And we transform matter back into energy. You know, the Al- Balatanya said Hashem made from ruchnias gashmias so that we should make from is ruchnias. God took the spiritual and turned it into the physical so that we take the physical and revert it to spiritual. We create integration. So the moment creation finished The word doesn't only mean he finished, it comes from the word kala, kloisanafesh, kolsa nafshi yearning, longing. Mashvi. to began the klois, the, the yearning upwards, the the, the the climbing upwards. Creation is the process of descent, and then from then began the ascent, the aliyah. And that doesn't stop, never interrupted. We choose, we choose how to ascend. If we're going to ascend straight, if we're going to ascend through curvy, winding paths, if we're going to fall in the middle and ascend even higher, that's different choices people make. But we're always ascending, always. Right. Shleim ibn Gabir, Shleim ibn Gabir, one of the great poets of the Jewish people, he said, I run away from you, to you.
1: Right. You, get what I'm saying?
0: you say that since Hashem transcends time, so past, present, and future are all integrated, so therefore Mashiach came already.
1: Okay, I like that.
0: I like that.
1: I think
0: he's asking, when is Mashiach... Oh. Okay, as I always tell the Chavre, you know, there's always an element of humility that's necessary in the discussion of Mashiach, in every discussion. Ultimately, Hashem is the only one, you know, who who decides... Exactly when, what, and how.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So sort of Aaron is saying that he has a friend, you know, and he's very, very restrained, very hard to get a smile out of him. But his heart is, is, is very holy. His heart is holy and we have to really be able to be at peace within ourselves so we can embrace all types of people with love and not with judgment. Right? Yeah. So
1: we assume every, every person has the, the uh, neshama that's a part of Hashem and can be...
0: We don't assume. As we know. We know every we person mean? has a soul. Every Jew has a soul that is a, 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 a mamish. of course, by some it people, it's accessed more, it's revealed more, yeah. it's conscious more. Every person is in a different space in terms of their avayda. Uh,
1: do, do we assume that every person can, in theory, be... Touched by our efforts and can be elevated. Yeah, every every
0: person could be touched. The question is how fast, to what degree, and in what way. But every person could be touched, and every person is touched. But that the, the could only happen if if I come in with with you know with a spear and a dagger. And uh, angry and upset and judgmental and, uh, you know, and, and the superior complex and holier than thou, uh, you know, and I'm the real Jew and you're the fake Jew, then they'll close up. Their defense mechanisms will go up like my defense mechanisms go up and some of us some of us have that issue you know we it's like Judaism is color war you know my team is going to win my team has it right your team has it wrong and i'm going to convince you that we're right and you're wrong and then you'll finally see what the truth is and what happens is it's very hard for them to be effective because people develop defense mechanisms they feel judged they feel this superiority complex and you're really not operating from a deep Holistic space. You're coming from a place. I'm coming from a place of judgment. I'm coming from a place of you know color war. I'm the green. I'm the red team, and the red team is better than the blue team, or the other way around. I don't know. You know, the students of Rabbi Akiva were great people, but they had that challenge of really respecting, really respecting another person and another path. I think it's so important to be able to to know that. Yeah, you know, you may be missing something, and I may be missing something, and I can give you, and you can give me, but only when it's coming from a place of of humility and openness and the recognition that if I'm really, if I really want to teach, if I really want to affect a positive change, I have to be able to see the divinity in you. I have to be able to see that holiness in you, that godliness in you. If the feeling is I'm right and you're wrong and I'm going to win, then I lost the plot. Then I'm, I'm just, Then it's about my ego. And when it's about my ego, it's not going to be very effective. But if it's about the MS, it's about the plenumnius of who you are, not just who I am. So then I communicate from that space. Now this is a very subtle. These are subtle stuff. But we see immediately the difference. When somebody feels that, you know, my way is superior, I'm connected, everybody else is disconnected, everybody else is dead, I'm the only one who's alive. Um, uh, you know, so, you know, there you may, you may be some interesting points you're saying, but ultimately my effectiveness will be very, very compromised because, uh, because there's no respect, there's no appreciation and there's no real, really celebrating the goodness in the other person. You have to really be able to see the goodness and the holiness in the other person, the godliness in them, and get rid of the superiority complex. And then you could reveal in them their own infinity. But just from screaming at you that, you know, you're a dead person and, and you don't know what Yiddishkeit is and you're, you're just a robot and, <laughs> and you're a zombie. Okay, fine. So you told him that he's a zombie and a robot. You may be right. You may be wrong. You're, you're probably partially right and partially wrong. You know, you probably don't know a lot about... but I'm tell you an unbelievable story. I heard this from my brother many years ago. It's a very special story. Um... The, the Imre Emes was the Gary Rebbe, third Gary Rebbe. He was a son of the Sfas Emes. His name was Reb Avram Alter. He passed away in 1948 in Jerusalem. That's where he's buried. He was succeeded by his son, the Beis Yisrael, Reb Yisrael Alter. The Imri Emes was one of the greatest leaders of world Jewry in Poland before the war. He had hundreds of thousands of Hasidim. Unfortunately, most of them were decimated during the Holocaust. The Imri Emes had a son-in-law. His name was Reb Itzemeyer Levin. Rabbi Levine. Levin. Rabbi Itzemeyer was actually the name of the first guy Rabbi, the Chidushy Harim the great-grandfather of the Imre Emes. His name was Harim, Yitzchak Meir Rebbe So the Imre Emes, of Ramardechai, had a son-in-law, Reb Yitzchukmei Levin. And he was a big askin in our goodest Israel. He was a very big activist. He was a leader. He, he, was, he, he, he accomplished a lot. He worked a lot on behalf of the klal, on behalf of the community. But he was a son-in-law of the Imre Yemes. He was a a, a real Ger chosid. This is Poland before the Second World War. Rabbi Shemeya Levine was once sent by his father-in-law, the Imre Yemes, to Germany for Shabbos. He wanted he should meet a particular Jew in Germany, a particular Asken over there, somebody who was a social activist, a Jewish social activist. And he stayed in somebody's home in Germany, now, the cultural shock was not easy for him because Friday night, the men and the women sat at the same table, and in Gare they didn 't do that in Ger, the men and the book of the boys sat at one table, and the women sat at another table. This is in Poland, and here in Germany, this was a house it was Friday night. And the men and the women are sitting, and you know, they're they're schmoozing somewhat freely. <laughs> and Ibitchemair was uh you know, he was unnerved. And a part of him was saying, you know, this is not the real thing, this is not Shabbos, this is not holy, this is not a real Jewish home. And the the Balabas, the host, you know, he was schmoozing with everybody, you know, schmoozing with the men, schmoozing with the women. Okay, but Rabbi Shimei, obviously he was a guest, so, you know, he was silent. The meal was over, they benched, and everybody went to bed. Friday night, everybody went to bed. And Rabbi Shimei went to his room, which was right near the dining room. And he was doing his own things in the room. And suddenly, he hears a sound that he did not expect. The host, the host is... Uh, is learning. And he opens the door, and he takes a look. And he sees that the host is now learning the whole of HaShavuah. He's reading the whole parsha. I think with the Erechayim, he said. He learned the parsha with Urachayim. He finished, and he said the whole Tehillah. The man, the host, said the whole Tehillah. Itchimei was shocked Friday night. You know, people are exhausted. It's been a long week. Everybody goes to sleep. But this host, who he was so dismissive of, after the meal, on his own, nobody knew, would say the whole Tehillim (laughs) and learn the whole Parsha. I don't know when he went to sleep. He came home to his father-in-law, to Imre Emes, and he said, you know, so it was like schizophrenia, this paradox that I saw. You know, the whole meal was uh, nishtaf in yiddish nishtah. It, it was not the way we're used to it. And he described what he saw. But then, you know, after, after the meal, I mean, he says the whole tehillah, I mean, and I saw his Yerushalayim, his fear of heaven. So his father-in-law said to his son-in-law, I sent you there specifically, and I'll tell you why if you want to become a leader among the Jewish people, you're going to have to be able to truly respect and cherish the diversity of Klal Yisroel. If you're not going to be able to really appreciate and respect that there are different customs and different traditions and different ways of doing things, and some people who will do things that you're really not used to and maybe not comfortable with, and realize They may have their own very deep relationship with God. He says, you don't know too many Jews Friday night, you know, who will say the whole Tehillim after the meal and read the whole parasha with Erechai. Don't judge. Don't dismiss people just because they don't fit into your comfort zone. It doesn't mean there's no disagreements. It doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong always or what he's doing is always right. It does mean... That you have to appreciate the fact that there is a lot of diversity and there's a rainbow. And don't turn it into a black and white color war conflict. You will never be a real leader among the Jewish people. That is what I wanted to teach you. Very powerful idea. You know? And that's why we could all see the rainbow and appreciate it. Okay, my dearest friends, sending you my love and light, sending you our love and light, both from the animal soul and the godly soul. Have a beautiful and delicious and passionate day.
1: Thank you, Rabbi, you too. Thank you, Rabbi.
0: Oh. Yeah. Halacha is the anchor of the Jewish people and the Jewish person. And the word halacha actually means halicha, movement. Because sometimes it seems like it's limiting you. But it's, re- it's really propelling you. Because it anchors you. And when you're anchored, you can move much more <laughs> and much faster. When you have a center, you have balance, you have a base, you have a foundation. You live in a moral Ambiance. There's restrict things you will not do. There's red lines you won't cross. You know what's right, you know what's wrong. If you made a mistake, you know what the mistake was, and you can make amends, you can apologize. That's all halacha. It's the structure that God gave us, right? On one hand, limiting, on the other hand, liberating. Because it's very easy to fall off, to play football on the roof of the building and fall off. When you have a fence, you can enjoy the game. I explained this to teenagers. You know, imagine I put you on the roof of a building, beautiful roof, okay? Gewaldek, six acres. You can play football, tackle football, only one problem. It's 40 stories high and there's no fence. <laughs> And what's going to happen is, everybody is going to have a miserable game. (laughs) I'm, I'm afraid to run anywhere. I could fall off and kill myself. The greatest favor somebody can do for me is put a fence around the wall. They put a fence around the wall, we can have fun. We can enjoy the game. We can enjoy the game of life. We want to enjoy the game of life. So the fences of halacha don't spoil the game. They create the game. They allow... They give you the structure that allows you to enjoy life, to express yourself in a way that will actually be beneficial and meaningful and exciting. And that means that there is a fence, so yes, yeah, so that I don't fall off and break my bones. That's why it's so important. And the animal soul ultimately will thank you for it. Yeah, the animal on its own says, what do you need Aloha for? Let's just, let's just do whatever we want. But let's say I eat whatever I want, Right? or I sleep whenever I want. Ultimately, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to like myself. I'm not going to feel good. I'm not going to like myself. So doing whatever I want is a strategy for ruin. It's not a strategy for growth. It's not a strategy for, for productivity. It's not a strategy for, for self-actualization. And the animal will realize it. The animal will realize it. You want to live? You want to have fun? You want to enjoy life? You need the structure of halacha. That's the Nefesh structure. And then the animal soul, with its primal gusto and its visceral reactions, gives the Nefesh Kiss something very special. And that is its passion. Its primal uninhibitedness. And that Shidduch is a match made in heaven in order to transform earth.